Well, good morning. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today. We have our good friend Randy with us for the program today, and he's going to update us on a number of key events uh, in the geopolitical realm, things that are going on all across uh, the world from a variety of perspectives. And so can't wait to get his update. Uh, But I thought I would begin with just uh, a quick word from uh, the book of Isaiah. You know, the prophet Isaiah has a lot to say about God's end times plan. And uh, we learn a lot about both the first advent of Christ as well as the second advent of Christ and the coming kingdom And we even learn things in the book of Isaiah about the eternal state, uh, when time shall be no more, and God uh, destroys this old heaven and earth, uh, uh, cursed as it is by sin, and recreates it in sinless perfection. So lots of eschatology, if you will, in uh, the book of Isaiah. You know, I got to thinking about uh, some of the topics that Randy's going to cover uh, today on our dialogue, and it occurs to me that things are really chaotic right now. I mean, everywhere you look, there's competing agendas, there's uh, saber rattling, there are rollouts of test, you know, technology uh, things that are going to really have an impact on uh, the global financial system. We've got uh, attacks on all kinds of conservative values. We've got faked and rigged elections. Uh, It just seems like uh, things are really heating up. And I've said many times, when things are heating up on earth, it's always an indication that things are heating up in the heavenlies, and the cosmic battle is is uh, really raging more than ever. And so we know that's the case. Uh, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well, and I cover a lot of that in uh, my books, which you can check out at spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. But the book of Isaiah in chapter 24 has some interesting uh, things that... Uh, kind of point forward to the culmination of of human history. Uh, In fact, uh, some Bible teachers refer to this section of Isaiah as Isaiah's apocalypse. Remember, apocalypse uh, is the Greek word for revelation, and it's the title of the last book in the Bible. So uh, people refer to this section in Isaiah as uh, Isaiah's apocalypse, and he describes the world as, as being characterized by meaninglessness, uh, by chaos. Uh, the, the word earth occurs 16 times in uh, Isaiah chapter 24, and it's kind of um, uh, symbolized by a city, he refers to the world as a city, and we know that he's talking about the world from the context, but he refers to it in the sense of a city that's facing uh, devastation. And listen to what we read in Isaiah chapter uh, 24, Uh, beginning in verse 10. This is from the New American Standard. The city of chaos is broken down. Every house is shut up that none may enter. Remember, their city in the context is referring to uh, the earth. And then uh, a little bit later in Isaiah chapter 34, we see a similar context where uh, the author is talking about a time when human leaders will be no more. The earth will be characterized by desolation and emptiness. Um, It's basically a time when, uh, you know, it's speaking of the end of the tribulation and the devastation that will characterize the earth at the time of the battle of Armageddon. Um, And so in Isaiah chapter 34, we see once again, this reference to, uh, to chaos. And uh, this is, uh, 
reading from the uh, NIV here, the, the desert owl and screech owl will possess it, the great owl and the raven will nest there, uh, just a reference there to scavengers and uh, that type of thing. God will stretch over Edom. Edom here is symbolizing the earth as a whole, but notice he says the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. That's kind of synonymous parallelism uh, there, but it's, uh, it's that word chaos that kind of catches my attention. Um, in the uh, New King James, which is my preference, it talks about the line of confusion, confusion. And, you know, we know from Scripture that God is not the author of confusion. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Now, in the context of 1 Corinthians, he's talking about chaos and disorder and disunity within the church. But still, he makes an emphatic statement there about our Creator when he characterizes him as being not the author of confusion. So when confusion exists, that means there's only one option for the source. If it's not God, it has to be Satan. And so, Randy, as, as we uh, think about what all is going in the world today, I, I just wanted our readers, our listeners rather, to understand that the world is rapidly descending into utter and total chaos. And uh, right after the rapture, and I talk about this in my video, One Minute After the Rapture, but right after the rapture, we will see the worst kind of chaos because millions of people will have disappeared. Um, the, the satanically inspired Antichrist will begin to rise to world fame and eventually sign a peace treaty that starts that final seven-year tribulation. But people are going to, the world as we know it will have will have ended. It'll be uh, a time like no other, and it'll be total uh, chaos. People will be fleeing for their lives and running from the hills. There'll be all kinds of natural disasters, because think about it, if a, a believer is driving a car or piloting a plane or uh, at the controls of some key uh, mechanical device, and all of a sudden they go to meet the Lord in the air, that's going to cause chaos in that situation and crashes and uh, malfunctions and those types of things. So um, that's kind of what, what I see happening. But the great news is, uh, as things get more and more chaotic during this time when Satan is trying to roll out the one world system, it just reminds us that one day the Prince of Peace, which Isaiah also talks about, uh, will come back and rule the world in perfect peace and justice <clears throat> and order. Uh, so God is not the author of confusion. He's the God of order. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we need to remember that when things look chaotic, they're never chaotic from God's perspective. He knows exactly what's happening. This is the the uh, you know the the things playing out exactly like God's plan of the ages is revealed in Scripture, and it really shows signs of Satan's desperation. You know, if Satan was as powerful as God, which of course he is not, he could have accomplished his agenda long ago. But it's the very fact that he is an underdog that he is. He is not nearly as powerful as the all-powerful, almighty God of creation. And so he's just grasping at straws, throwing everything up against the wall, whatever metaphor you want to use. He's trying to desperately take over this world. Now, we know biblically he's going to succeed for a short time, seven years at least, but uh, seven years at least under the Antichrist. And we may be in a one-world system even sooner if the Lord tarries his coming, but we know that the Antichrist himself won't take the helm of it until after the rapture. But uh, he's not going to succeed ultimately because God 
is in control. So um, there are a lot of confusing things going on in this world. And since it can be kind of discouraging, I wanted to preface what we're about to talk about, Randy, with that reminder that all of this confusion is, first of all, uh, prophesied in scripture. And second of all, it will come to an end when uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes back. So uh, what uh, what do you have for us uh, this morning? What are some things that we should be uh, keeping our eyes on? And by the way, welcome to the program, Randy. Well, thank you. And um, your description of chaos couldn't have been proven better than looking at the last week. On one day, we all think we're going to be involved in a war with Russia because of missiles filed, fired by the Ukraine into Poland. So everybody, the jets are scrambled, the bombers are lifted, uh, okay. warships are ready, and we're all living on the edge. We, well, we thought it was Russia. We thought it was Russia, though, at first, we right? We thought it was Russia, yeah. but we find that it's Ukraine, and I'm going, wow, okay, that's one thing. That's, that makes for a good day. Then we find out that the Federal Reserve and some large banks are actually going to be looking into our digital currency. They're actually starting their work together on it. And then it gets better because Donald Trump announces he wants to be president again. So you have three things there. And when you look at one day, you're going, okay, which is true, which is false, which is a false flag, and which is just utter nonsense. All right. So we'll kind of, I want to start with one other thing before we delve into those, because I found it very interesting. Um, we have a immigration, immigration problem on our southern border. Uh, it's out of control. It is total chaos. And I was reading an article in the Epic Times and the good citizens of Mexico, evidently 1.6 million Americans have moved down there. Now, you can't own property in Mexico unless you're a Mexican. But evidently 1.6 million of our people have moved down there. They've moved into the nice apartments, into the condos. They pay about $650 a month. Now, you want to look at the amount of Mexicans and other nationalities and countries that have come up here. We're looking at somewhere around 32 million total. Now, that's not the federal government's number, but it is the factual number. Now, in Mexico, they are putting up signs that say, Americans go home. We don't want you expletive down here. Now, these are in the um, tourist areas other areas in Mexico City, but they're making it very, very plain. They don't want us there. And I'm going now, isn't that interesting where we have absorbed 30 million of their citizens and they don't want us there at all. Hmm. So it kind of shows you what's going on with the politicians. They never admit the right amount of people. They don't describe the situation properly and it's all dis disinformation. Now, moving right along to the Russia-Ukraine problem. Um, as I've mentioned before, my uncle used to live in the Ukraine. He left there as the Iron Curtain was coming down. And most of his relatives have been gotten out of there in the last six months. Well, I called and talked to him a week ago, and everything was fine. I got a message from him two days ago that it's becoming dire and we need to get more of his relatives out of there. Mm. Now, I spoke to him and we discussed it. And as we've discussed before, uh, 
uh, the Russians are not losing the war. The Russians are smart enough as they were in World War II when they fought the Huns and everybody else. They will pull back and they will keep pulling back until they can basically get their troops together, get all of their material ready, and then they will attack with a vengeance that you can't believe. And that's exactly what's happening now. The Ukrainian army has 100,000 dead and 300 to 400,000 wounded. Their, their force right now is a ghost of what it used to be. They are fighting by a shoestring and staying in the battle. They have ISIS, they have Al-Qaeda that have come into the country. They're paid $1,500 a month to basically defend the Ukraine. Now, Russia has pulled everybody back to the east of Kherson. They now have 700,000 troops between the Navy, Air Force, and Army ready to move. Mm -hmm. They are waiting for the ground to freeze. And then the ultimatum is going to be, you can surrender or we attack. Now, now let, me, they, let me interject. Is that is it possible, Randy, and we've talked about this before, that this strategy of theirs goes beyond just seizing territory in Ukraine and that they have further intentions of heading south and, and that this could develop into the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war? Very possibly. Basically, what Putin, Putin says what he's going to do, and he has not varied from that. He has taken over the four provinces um, that were Russian-speaking, and he's going to keep them. The Ukraine can just give up any thought about ever recovering those areas. Back in April, Putin said, if you want to negotiate, if you want to surrender, the time is now. That is exactly what he meant. He now has his forces ready to go. And as soon as that ground freezes, he'll probably or maybe yeah. give yeah, the now, Ukrainians one last chance. Yeah. And and another thing that is really fascinating to me, and you, you mentioned this just a second ago, but, you know, when those those rockets launched into Ukraine and or, I'm sorry, into Poland and Poland actually uh, invoked Article four of NATO seeking input from the NATO alliance, um, and everybody was on the edge of their seats. And and by the way, my wife, who's brilliant, uh, she immediately commented, hey, could this be another Reichstag? And those of you that may not know, the Reichstag fire, which is essentially what got Hitler into World War II, was a false flag. And I talk about false flags in volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist, but basically, you know, they, they lit their own German parliament in Berlin on fire. And this was 1933. And, um, and, you know, it essentially got, it wasn't so much that it got them into World War II, it just elevated Hitler to the place of uh, the chancellor. And so, and of course, we know the rest is history. But the reality is they blamed it on a lone wolf that was found near the building, just like you do every other false flag. And, but they had, in fact, started the fire themselves. And so, People were wondering back then whether this was just some type of, uh, you know, I'm sorry, not back then, but this week, we're wondering if this is some kind of provocation to just lure specifically the United States, but really NATO at large, into this conflict and, uh, you know, thank the Lord 
cooler heads prevailed and and it didn't happen but we never really know what caused and of course the official narrative now is oops it was a mistake well i mean are you buying that uh, randy well let me put it like this hitler in his waning days said there would be a fourth reich that lasted for a thousand years now we haven't really had much to do with that or think about that in the last 50 60 years but when you look at who's leading the WEF, Mr. Schwab, and his father was a Nazi collaborator, his grandfather was a Nazi, you have to wonder exactly what is going on. Because the World Economic Forum, uh, it's a very interesting um, organization. Mr. Schwab, Mr. Gates, they think that they're in charge. They've never been elected to anything, but they push their agenda and that's exactly the way we're going. And I'm going, okay, this has to be demonically um, suggested and um, done because there's no other way people like that would ever come into power. Now, when we talk about the Russians, we talk about a people that uh, basically we've had treaties with, others have had treaties with. And if you know the history of the United States, we've never kept a treaty in our life. That is something we make and that is something we break and we do it pretty much when we want to. Now, I worry about the Russians in that I still am of the position that we will never engage, at least right now, in a direct nuclear conversation with Russia. We're not gonna, we're not gonna launch anything. They're not gonna launch anything. Both understand that a nuclear war, everybody loses. The Chinese understand that. So there's a lot of saber rattling and that's all it is. Now, conventional war, we could get into that, but let me explain where NATO is. NATO involves 30 countries. Uh, the strongest countries are the United States, Britain, and Canada. Well, the uh, let's see, the Italians have said, we're not providing any more aid unless it's humanitarian. Hmm. The Germans haven't provided anything anyway because of their situation with Russia, the gas and everything else. So they're kind of a non-player. The British continue to give up a lot of their supplies to aid the Ukrainians, but the British economy is in dire straits, just like we are. So what they're doing is they are draining NATO day by day of all of their money, their materiel, their weapons, etc. When you consider that, let's see, who was it? The, uh, I believe the British are down to 13% of their inventory of weapons. Now, who's gonna who's gonna resupply this? We're talking billions and billions of dollars. And then we talk about sending all of this aid to Ukraine, but once it gets there, we don't know where it went. We do know that Mr. Zelensky came into power. Uh, when he did, he spoke Russian. He couldn't speak Ukrainian, not a word of it. Now, a couple of years later, all of a sudden, he's worth a billion and a half. He's got a yacht. He's got a plane. Now, where where did all of that wealth and treasure and everything yeah. go? Yeah, there's it's no obvious. there's no question that Zelensky is a puppet. I talked about that way back at the beginning of the uh, Russian Ukraine conflict earlier this year. Um, but you know what what's really interesting, Randy, as we've talked about before, is that the Luciferians, who are the ones really pulling the strings, are are they want America. To be destroyed they they are trying yes desperately to bring us down and they're doing it 
in a multi-pronged attack. They're doing it from a moral basis for with the progressive left, uh, you know, causing us to abandon all of our, you know, long held moral standards. They're doing it from a financial perspective, utterly destroying our economy. By the way, our economy is destroyed. It's on life support. They're just waiting for the moment to, to, you know, call time of death. Uh, they're doing it from a military perspective. They're doing it from an energy perspective. They're, you know, you name it, they, you know, who knows which, domino is going to fall first but we know based on their plans that in order to usher in the one world system they've got to destroy america and so that's why it was so interesting to me you know to see what was unfolding over there this week in ukraine it's, it was like you know could this be the thing and i you know it's one of those things i didn't think it was going to be but then again one of these days we're going to wake up and the, the United States, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, is going to be embroiled in a hot war. So, you know, the, as far as the rise of the Fourth Reich, you know, I've been talking about that for years. I can remember about 10 years ago, I was uh, headed to a conference to speak. I was on a plane and I was reading a book uh, by the late Jim Mars, one of my favorite authors. Uh, you should read everything that he has. He's really an outstanding, was a really outstanding uh, researcher uh, and uh, but he has a book by that name, The Rise of the Fourth Reich. And I was reading that and the person sitting next to me saw the title and they said, Fourth Reich, I, I didn't know there was anything other than the Third Reich. And so I they were a captive audience. So I've spent the rest of that flight explaining to them how we're headed into a one world system and and we're, we're you know the Fourth Reich is coming. So absolutely this that that your quote of Hitler there or reference to what he said there in the waning days of his life is is quite apropos. It's all unfolding, isn't it? Well, it is because if you look at Azov, that is one of the territories in the Ukraine. Uh, their soldiers there would be as close to Nazis as anything I've ever seen. They are brutal. They are ruthless. Um, they have no morals, and they will destroy everything in front of them. Well, okay, so, you know, we know they're part of Ukraine, but my question is, the more I listen to everybody, you don't see our military pushing a war in the Ukraine. It's the politicians. It's the globalists. Everybody wants to get us involved. Now, as hot as things are right now, if somebody could explain to me why there are now five carrier groups in the Mediterranean, I'd really like a good answer because if you want to add gasoline to the fire, you do something like that. The United States has two carrier groups, the Italians, the French, and the British each have one also. Now that is a huge amount of assets that if I was a country like Russia, I would go, I think you're preparing for an attack because why else right now would you move that kind of material in there? Why would you have jets, bombers, everything else being landed in Europe unless you're planning something? Wouldn't you pull back and let things cool off? So our, our politicians are idiots. Yeah. We knew that. Well, they, General, what do yeah. they know that we don't? I mean, most of them, in my view, as I've talked often about, are all controlled. Uh, yes. uh, with the new election, we've got some freshman congressmen and congresswomen that may not be controlled yet. But certainly, it's a com it's a deadly combination of ignorance and apathy. And then, you know, there are some of those that are in the know, and you have to ask with with what you just described about our military movements. What do they know that we don't? Exactly. And then General Milley, head of the Joint Chiefs. He's, he, he likes the world stage. He likes to talk. He likes to be the big guy. But he came out in the 
this last week and basically basically got ahead of Biden and said, we do not want a war with Russia. Now, for the head guy to say that, and then all the politicians are pushing the other buttons, this has to be to take us down. Mm -hmm. This has to be to further the conflict, to make us uh, a non-entity in the future. Yeah, and Millie... Millie is is that was his whole purpose for he's completely controlled. He was put in for that reason. He was you know centrally involved in uh, you know bringing down the the true patriots and conservatives within the military. So yeah, he's definitely hand in puppet with with the Luciferians. Exactly. Now after this um, election, I guess we can call it. Before <laughs> the election, we noticed that Nancy Pelosi went to China or to Taiwan. And then a week or two after that, she went to Armenia. What was she doing in Armenia? They're not an ally of ours. They really don't have any effect on us at all. Why would she make a special trip there to rub Putin's nose in it? It, 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 The whole political scene makes no sense whatsoever. So my my question is, Pelosi's gone. Who do they put in next? Because whoever they put in next is third in the succession if something happens to the president. Biden, with he and the um, mess he and his son have gotten into with 50 transactions, maybe more with foreign powers, etc., during the time that uh, Biden was vice president, makes me wonder if Biden's time is not gone, uh, not up, that he's going to be gone shortly. Then we have President Harris which is scarier than Biden. We'll have yeah, a new... It's obviously, you know, the... And I love how you said it's... it's call it, We'll call it an election. Yeah, that's that's true. It's not elections, it's selections. And of course, my listeners know we've been talking about that for decade, a couple of decades now. But, uh, you know, most is gone because the Republicans now, at least according to the official narrative, have the majority. So who's going to be the next speaker? You know, is it going to be McCarthy? Uh, who's it going to be? But whoever it is, you can count on the fact that it's going to be a controlled asset. And, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is where we're headed. But, uh, you know, Biden is, I've said for some time, he's kind of like a bad dream. He just won't go away. It just keeps coming back and recurring. And we, you and I talked when, when he first got in office uh, in the, in the famous stolen election of 2020, that, uh, you know, he, he, how long will he last? And we were speculating that maybe this was part of a larger plan and he was just a means to an end. Well, I still think he is a means to an end, but I think right now they're using him as a placeholder and they're, you know, they're working hard behind the scenes, the Luciferians, I mean, the powers that be uh, setting the stage for the coming one world system. And, you know, somebody has to be the president, uh, but it's, he's just a placeholder. But the point you're making is that could we be nearing the moment when, okay, they're through with the placeholder and they're, they're ready to, to shift it into high gear. And, And I guess time will tell. Yes. And, you know, what concerns me when Trump announces he's going to run again, the more I found out about Mr. Trump in the last couple of years since he's been gone, the more he worries me. He is not honest. He is not who he says he is. And if you remember his daughter, Ivanka, and her husband, Mr. Kircher, they were really involved in the policy making. They were involved daily on the decision making. And then the other day when I sent out the uh, 
current list of everybody in the Young Global Leaders, which is a part of the World Economic Forum, you will note Ivanka Trump is part of it. Yeah. Now, I'm going, if Mr. Trump is such a godsend and he's, he's what we need, he is counseling with the devil as far as I'm concerned. If she has those kind of connections, we know who she's listening to. She's listening to the Schwabs, to the Bill Gates. And that makes me worried. But then we look at Mr. DeSantis, okay? Everybody's thinking he's a fresh new face. He's going to be great. Well, his donations to his election campaign, 60% of his donations are $50,000 or more. Mm. You go back and trace them. They're a bunch of globalists. They're a bunch of WEF people. And so I'm going, oh, man, we've got a second. We've got a second person like Trump coming in. Yeah, and I don't want to alienate some of our listeners who, who are DeSantis or Trump fans. But let's face it, there's also a lot of evidence that DeSantis is skull and bones. And, you know, that's a big question mark and a big yes. red flag. And so but as far as Trump. You know, I, I address Trump in volume two of my book. I do so graciously. I, I share my studied opinion about how he fits into this big picture. And so people can read that and, and make their own conclusion. But let's just assume, Randy, for the sake of argument, that the official narrative is is correct, that, that you know, Biden really defeated Trump in 2020 and, and, and you know, all of this stuff and that Trump's legit and he's a big conservative guy and he's really a moral conservative standard bearer and all that what makes based on the official narrative what makes people think that that are trump supporters that if he didn't win in 2020 and there's no question that he's lost a huge percentage of his support since then because people are beginning to look at the facts they're reading more about him they're recognizing the fact for example that he put 67 members of the council on foreign relations in his administration that he's the one that rolled out operation warp speed he's the one that financed the the death shot this uh, experimental gene altering bioinjection and he's still out there you know pushing that vaccine they're starting to kind of have their eyes open and so he's losing supporters so i just don't understand why from a conventional standpoint now i know why from a luciferian standpoint i think i have a pretty good handle now especially that trump has announced uh, what's going on but just thinking at it through the lens of conventional thought how in the world is this a good thing for republicans it's going to split the vote it's going to be like the ross perot effect again speaking as one who you know as if the, there was a legitimate voting system but in reality what i think is happening this is one more tool in their arsenal to foment dissension unrest division and i think it's going to be an interesting two years uh, leading up to 24 if the lord doesn't come back well you know in defense of donald trump we could say a lot of his decisions were made in ignorance he had no idea what he was really doing. He tried to believe the people that circled him. And so maybe he was kind of led into it and he didn't understand the ramifications and et cetera. Well, we could go and give him credit there. That's that's what a lot of people say, Randy. And and uh, you're a lot smarter than I am, but I, I don't buy it. I mean, it's one point. It's one thing to to listen to a couple of close advisors, but he surrounded himself there's scarcely a person in his administration that wasn't 
connected to the global cabal. Uh, I mean, CFR members, Skull and Bones members, Bilderbergs, Bohemian Grove. Uh, this guy, you know, he, he he that'll only get you so far. Well, I was just, you know, misled by my advisors. Well, frankly, we elect a president not to be misled by his advisors. We want a guy that's got a good leader. He's got some some perspective and he's going to stand on moral principle and not just be like a straw in the wind doing what everybody tells him to do. So I'm not buying it personally. Well, I think he did a lot of good for the country. I think he really threw a wrench in the Luciferians um, plans. Um, but yet the more I hear, the more I'm wondering if I was just led in and I was believing something because I wanted to, but over the next two years, we're definitely going to figure out where he's at. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But moving along to the next topic, our digital currency. You know, our government leaders have been telling us for the months that uh, that's so far in the future, not something we're going to do. And I think we discussed that the series of E-bonds are already digital, and that's been happening for months. But it's really interesting with your um, conversation with Mr. Brannon the other night. I listened to that while you were talking about the head of the... Um, FTX. Um, is his last name pronounced Freed or Fried? It's Freed, uh, Freed, Bankman Freed. Okay. Now, I did a little research on him, and he was really good friends with Bill Clinton. And that kind of makes a guy stand up and take notice right there. Uh, Mr. Freed had no training, no experience. He didn't know what he was doing when he set up what I call the largest Ponzi scheme ever set up in this country. This makes Enron look like nothing. The government regulator that is uh, starting to look into it said this is the biggest mess he's ever seen. He said it will shadow the Enron investigation, everything that else that's going on, and we're really going to uh, um, be upset with what he finds, just you know, putting it in very simple terms. I noticed this morning that the Bahamian uh, government has seized the assets of Mr. Freed. They said, well, while you're under investigation, we're going to hold those funds for you. Well, digital currency, I found out some things that are really interesting. As we found out this week, the New York Fed is working with some large banks to see if it's plausible, if they can use it. Now, it's a 12-week trial, and it involves Citicorp, MasterCard, Wells Fargo, HSBC Holding, Mellon Bank, PNC Bank, U.S. Bank, Trust Truist, and TD Bank. Those are some of the largest banks in the United States. But the one that stuck out is why is there no J.P. Morgan Chase in there? Well, did a little bit of research on that, and they have had their digital currency program fully operational since june of 2021 so they're way ahead so this is not an experiment this is bringing all of those banks into the fold let's get it run through let's get it implemented the other information that i found is it's supposed to be it's supposed to be in place and operational by june or july of 2023 now people they get digital currency and cryptocurrency mixed up. Cryptocurrency, there is no central location. There is very little 
federal regulation. And basically it's just trust. We're going to take your money. We're going to do this. And, you know, the big players get into that. The digital currency, on the other hand, uh, every transaction made is traceable. And they're going to track everything, whether it's a penny, a dime, a dollar. And it's going to be done on a 24-7 basis. Now, if you're aware of your purchases made on a Friday, Thursday, or whatever, a lot of times it does not clear your bank till the following Monday. With the digital currency, it will be in there immediately. So if you buy something, it's going to show right now. doesn't matter if it's a holiday or otherwise. Well, that's great. The government says, you know, we're doing this for your safety. We are doing this so that there aren't scams, so we don't lose money again. And also, we don't have to incur the cost of a fiat currency. And for those that don't know what a fiat currency is, that is your dollar bill, your change, whatever that we're using right now. They all want to go digital. China is just about completely there. The other BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, um, South Africa, India, Saudi Arabia, they are making great strides to do the same thing. So by summer, all of those want to have the digital currency basically in place so that we no longer have any type of cash whatsoever. Well, that's great. The only problem is they can say, we're doing this for you. We're going to make it safer. Their intent is to control it all. Yeah. They'll be like China. In China, if you jaywalk, your fine is out of your account by the time you cross the street. Yeah, so that, that's an excellent uh, summary of the contrast between private cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and CBDC, central bank digital currency. But I want to elaborate that on for that on that for just a moment because I get a lot of emails about this from people pushing cryptocurrency and as if it's uh, the answer to the control system that's being rolled out. And I just don't agree. And FTX and the scandal that we just talked about earlier this week uh, on the Brandon House Show is a perfect example of that. Yes, it is true, as you correctly stated, that uh, CBDCs will be explicitly tracked. That's the whole point of them. It's not about money transactions. It's about control. Uh, and whereas cryptocurrency is private, that's true. But they both still suffer from the same ultimate fatal flaw, which is if you can't touch it, you don't own it. And so yes. ask all those people that invested in FTX uh, and, you know, which was worth billions upon billions and then went bankrupt in a matter of two days. Uh, you know, so it is uh, it's just something to consider, not to mention the fact that when we talk about private digital things not being tra traceable, that's a bit naive because, frankly, anything digital can be hacked into and traced. I mean, uh, you know, you've interacted with Ed Snowden enough to know that, look, they can hack NSA servers, they can hack, uh, you know, the voting tabulation machines, that's child's play, you know, for them. So I just don't have the confidence that many of my friends and colleagues do in cryptocurrency. Now, again, I know people made a lot of money in it, but people made a lot of money in the stock market and other uh, paper investments too. But you know, if you can't, it, it's really just another form of fiat currency because you can't go to your safe 
and physically grab hold of it and use it as a means of exchange. So I would just uh, encourage people to do their own research, but I wanted to clarify that, yes, the real danger is CBDC, central bank digital currency. But by the way, it's I'm beginning more and more to think, and this is just my opinion, my uh, speculation, but I'm not convinced, Randy, that the CBDC is going to roll out completely and in full force globally until after we see the downfall of America. And the reason I say that is ultimately uh, it's becoming clear that CBDC is really the fulfillment of Revelation 13 and and, and the means by which the Antichrist is going to control the world uh, and control everything we buy and sell um, and track everybody. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more clear. And so uh, in order for the Antichrist to rise to fame, we've got to have the rapture and we've got to, you know, we've got to have the destruction of America. And I just feel like it could it could play out this way, that America is is dissolved in one of the ways we spoke about a moment ago, some type of military action, uh, an EMP, uh, financial collapse, you name it, uh, or another pandemic, for example. Uh, and then in the aftermath of that, they use that as a quintessential, you know, Hegelian dialectic technique to say, oh, we've got to get our hands around this. We can't have this ever happen again, kind of like they did with uh, the COVID pandemic. And so we now need everybody to sign up for these little digital cards. So I don't know. I, I just have a hard time envisioning America, you know, status quo kind of signing on to CBDCs globally, but who knows? I've been surprised before. It could happen. And they're certainly working on it. That's for sure. Well, and target dates are not necessarily the hard date. Right. But it's interesting that all of a sudden, FTX blows up. And within a day or two, we are notified of the digital currency already being tested. Now, if you wanted to have a perfect example of why you want CDC instead of the uh, crypto, that was perfect. Here you've got one blowing up. Here's the answer to the problem. And as far as the United States goes, we have talked about that many times. I am right in, in there with you thinking that our demise is going to be soon. I don't know when, I don't know how, but if the BRICS countries get this together, United States and uh, Great Britain are on, we still have 105 countries that have to be brought into the fold, made aware of what's going on and showing, showing them how to implement it for the um, last days scenarios, the tribulation, etc. Yeah. So this is a significant start in that we've been misled into thinking the U.S. government was so far away from even touching this stuff. Now we find that they're working with the big banks. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase has had it in place for a year and a half. And I also, I don't think people understand that once this is in place, there will no longer be your family corner bank. They will have no necess necessity whatsoever. Those places are gonna disappear yeah. because you have a central government that's gonna process everything. You don't need the brick and mortar banks that we use now. So when you stop and think about the changes that that's going to um, make in a person's life, you have to wonder, okay, where are you going to have your savings? Well, of course, they're, they're working that out. And basically, you know, if you want a loan, they're going to be the ones to decide that. So when they say you will 
own nothing and you'll like it. Well, they're getting the perfect that's, system into place to let that happen. That's exactly right. And that's why they're conditioning us with those, uh, you know, uh, agenda 2030, uh, uh, eight ways the world is going to change. You know, number one was you, you'll own nothing and, and like it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, nothing is more frightening than thinking that your local bank basically becomes like your local DMV or post office, you know, government run. And, and uh, I mean, what a nightmare that would be. But uh, yeah, and remember with the savings accounts that you talked about, they're going to establish expiration dates, so, you know, you might have limited amounts of money that they, quote, give you, but it comes with strings attached. And if you don't use that digital money by a certain time and it expires. And so plus they can put geographical constraints on it where you can't use that money outside of a certain, you know, 10 mile radius, something like that. So, yeah, it's definitely all about control. It's not about transactional and it's completely unnecessary. I mean, that's the thing. People for 6,000 years have been using various tangible means of exchange to live life. And and uh, we do it every day. You know, we you might trade someone um, a chainsaw for a riding lawnmower or something. You know, you just say, hey, I need this. You've got that. Let's let's swap. And so this has been this has been happening since time began. And it's for the government to come in. It's really the Luciferians, ultimately. Um to, and and suggests that oh we have a huge problem um it's it's a classic order out of chaos you know they they want to collapse the economy so that they can bring in their quote solution which really is what their agenda has been all along well you're exactly right and i mean our government you can't trust them you can't see what they're really doing they give us their false narrative we go along with it because the main street media goes along with it you have to dig a lot deeper and know a lot of people to really figure out what's going on. But just to show you how dishonest our government is, okay, the Pentagon just failed their fifth audit. <laughs> All right. They've got, let's see here, it is $3.5 trillion in assets, $3.7 trillion in liabilities. There's $200 million there that everybody's going, where's the money? Well, they remember, remember uh, the day before 9-11 in 2001, uh, Donald Rumsfeld gave a press conference in which he announced that the, the, uh, uh, after an audit, the United States military could not account for $3 trillion. And by the way, and then, of course, 9-11 happened, and it's like everyone forgot about it. But um, speaking of 9-11, you know, we were just talking about the FTX collapse, which is huge. I mean, some financial analysts are saying that could ultimately be the trigger that brings the entire economy down. Now, I haven't heard much about that in the last two or three days, so maybe they were overreacting, but it was a huge tens of billions of dollars involved. Uh, and what did we see happen around the same time as 9-11? You know, the largest financial scandal in U.S. history up to that time, the Enron scandal. Remember Enron collapse? I think it was kind of already in the works, clearly, but it was announced like uh, a few couple of weeks after 9-11 hit, but it brought down the one of the largest accounting firms in the world. Arthur Anderson basically was dissolved because Enron was their biggest client. And so I actually thought about that. It crossed my mind when I saw this FTX thing come across the wire. And I thought, wow, you know, 
I wonder what else is coming because, you know, there's, there's always these precursors, these warnings that happen. And it's like the magician who's saying, look at this over here. And meanwhile, something even bigger is about to happen uh, over here. So I think we all need to be on guard and recognize that there, we're seeing a lot of rumblings today, this chaos that we talked about at the beginning of the program. Uh, and FTX is just one of them, but it should keep us alert because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. So uh, I just thought it was interesting thinking of FTX and then thinking back uh, 20 years ago to uh, Enron. Well, yeah, and Enron cost me a bundle in my retirement, <laughs> so I remember that very well. Oh, but, you know, the Pentagon says by 2027, we should have our act together. Well, what is there? What is it, a $760 billion budget they have a year? I mean, you know, this isn't just a, this isn't just chump change, but then it always goes back to Mr. Clinton, doesn't it? Because now I've, we've talked about PD sixty before PDD sixty, yeah, which has removed us from the launch on warning to launch on impact. Well, guess what? That was in the archives at Mr. Clinton's library. That document can no longer be found. Yeah. They don't know where it's at. And I'm going, how do you lose something that's considered classified that really is the only document available that shows exactly what it said? They have summaries of it. But how do you lose something like that? Yeah, let me clarify for some of our listeners that might not be familiar with that. Bill Clinton, when he was president, signed the PDD-60, Presidential, I think it's Defense Directive or something, 60, which essentially changed the protocol for the United States responding to a nuclear attack. And in the past, it's always been we would respond on launch, that if our systems indicate uh, some enemy hostile nation or a group has launched a missile, we would immediately respond. And it was you know mutually assured destruction. But uh, PDD-60 changed and says we must wait till impact. In other words, in case there was a mistake or it was a, a bad false reading, it wasn't really a missile, we can't respond till impact. Well, the problem with that is obvious, I think, even to non-military people like myself. Clearly, if you let a missile or missiles, plural, hit your key military establishments, and then you say, oh, we've been hit, we better respond. Well, you might not have anything to respond with. And as far as the document being missing, you and I talked about this months ago, and uh, it was really intriguing to me because I thought, well, maybe that's an indication that PDD-60 is no longer in force. But uh, one of the guys that I've been following for 20 years, Joel Skousen, who is uh, very well connected in geopolitical events, uh, he did a deep dive into that research, and he uh, assures us that no, PDD-60 is still in force. He talked to people in high levels of the military. Nope, that is still the the current protocol for responding. So uh, one scenario that I know you and I have talked about and others uh, is that what it, something happens to draw the United States into a skirmish, whether that's the Ukraine-Russia deal, North Korea, Taiwan, something, Iran, something happens that forces us uh, to respond in some way uh, militarily in a, in a localized area, and then China and or Russia then retaliate on behalf of whoever it is that we're going against, and they launch a major nuclear strike against us, 
hitting military establishments. And because of PDD-60, we won't respond until it's too late. And that then cripples us. It basically decapitates us militarily. And then the United States has no choice at that point but to sign on to some global government for its own protection. And, you know, voila, now you've got, you know, a one world system and the, the, the end of national sovereignty for America. So that's a obviously a lot of total speculation, but it's, it's based on a lot of facts and it is one scenario that has plausibility. Well, it makes you wonder who's in control. Does anybody know what our policy is? Who's, you know, Biden, does anybody think he's qualified to make a decision in an emergency involving nuclear weapons to say launch or not launch? I mean, he's going to have to go to his handlers to get the information. By that time, it's too late. Yeah. Um, well, he's, you know, when you have Biden's a pretty ahead. smart guy, you know, he solved the the mystery about where the missiles that hit Poland came from. So he's a pretty smart guy. You know, that was one of the few true things he actually said when the news people asked him, he said, no, that's not what the information shows. Yeah. I'm going, wow. What, yeah, what's going read- on? Because he's telling the truth. Yeah, no, he was right. We think anyway, who knows what was really happening behind the scenes, but, but I read somewhere that he, he actually behind the scenes was the brilliant person that actually looked at the evidence and figured it out. Not just that he was announcing that this was a mistaken missile from Ukraine, but that he somehow figured it out. But anyway, um, we can, uh, we can criticize Biden all day, but, uh, uh, well, we're almost out of time. I know you've got some more topics. We may have to save those for our next, uh, discussion. I know you kind of wanted to get into some of the issues about shortages and, the border and stuff, but man, a lot of stuff that you've uh, covered uh, on this podcast, a lot of things to think about, but let's uh, bring it full circle back to the word of God and, and remind people, first of all, if you know the Lord Jesus, then uh, all of this is, first of all, clearly portrayed in scripture as part of God's plan. And ultimately uh, no harm can come because we know that we are hidden. Our lives are hidden with God in Christ or with Christ in God, I should say, uh, based on Colossians and Ephesians. And uh, we know, you know, who our heavenly father is and we know what our eternal destiny is. So I would just implore anybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, to trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin and is the only hope of eternal life. If you trust in him, he will give you the gift of eternal life. But for the rest of us, let's remember that chaos is all under uh, Satan's domain. It's part of his tent. God is not the author of, of confusion and chaos. He is going to bring order someday. So don't be, don't despair. Don't look around and think, oh me, oh my, the sky is falling. It may be falling, but that's okay. God's got this. Nothing surprises God. So, uh, so Randy, any closing thoughts, any other uh, comments you'd like to make before we call it a wrap for today? Well, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And for the people listening, if you have people you know that don't believe in Christ, you might want to get that change in place now if you can. But there is a bright point. Make sure they understand that they're in charge of your pets and your house when you leave. I hate <laughs> yeah. to see the pets suffer because nobody's taking care of them. Yeah, good point. Yeah. 
And uh, so, yeah. And by the way, people are emailing me a lot, Randy. We, we really appreciate your insight. It's great kind of informal, free-flowing discussion. And uh, we're not at a point where we want to give out Randy's contact info because uh, he's got a lot of high, highly placed sources and we just don't want to do that. But if you need to get a message to Randy, uh, email me and I'll be glad to pass it along. Um, in the meantime, uh, again, happy Thanksgiving. Don't forget to check out spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. Uh, there you'll find uh, my two books, volume one and volume two, both of which came out this year. Volume two came out uh, less than a month ago, and uh, it will kind of outline for you a lot of the things that we're talking about on these podcasts. So God bless. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Randy. Happy Thanksgiving, yes, you, my friend. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. Okay.